Hi there, and welcome to the R3 podcast, a podcast about revival, renewal, and revitalization in the local church. I'm Paul Tillman, pastor of Parkwood Church, a revitalization work in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. And I'm Jeremy Gertis, pastor of Deborah Heights Wesleyan Church, a revitalization work in Des Moines, Iowa. We're just two pastors in the trenches of church revitalization, here to encourage and ignite the imaginations of other revitalizing leaders. And we are so glad that you're here. In our last episode, we started trying to answer the question of how we can know if our church needs revitalization. And in that, we discovered most churches in the United States are in need of revitalization. And many might not even know it. I used uh, my church, Hartwood Church, as an example. Um, we didn't know we were in need of revitalization, but now we've been in it for three years. And we also looked at the uh, church in Revelation of Sardis. In Revelation 3.1, they had a reputation of being alive, but they were actually dead. So we discovered along the way that uh, the ideal time for the revitalization process to begin in a church is actually when the church is firing on all cylinders, that, that moment when you really don't think you need revitalization, so that the new vision can be implemented before the momentum is lost. And uh, we also discovered that uh, now is the best time you're ever going to have for revitalization, in, as in wherever you are on the life cycle of the church, it only gets harder if you wait uh, to go further down the down the hill. And today is the day. Today, we're going to continue digging into the question of how we know if our church needs revitalization by starting to look at some of the signs, the signs of the times. Uh, Jeremy and I have identified, well, not just us, we've done, <laughs> we have gleaned from other people. <laughs> uh, eight signs of church revitalization, but we don't want to be on here for like eight hours trying to go through these. So we're going to break them out. Um, these are like the uh, the warning lights on your car's dashboard, not a generic check engine, but something specific that we could look at that says, hey, we need to take a look. Yeah. The, the thing about check engine lights and other warning lights on your dashboard, though, is you probably shouldn't wait until you get a light on the dashboard to uh, to go and take it to the shop and do some regular maintenance and things like that. Um, we, we think that churches should review their biblical purpose every three to five years just on a regular basis to assess how they're doing at accomplishing their vision and mission and uh, if anything needs to be adjusted or um, if any of these signs are maybe starting to show up. We just got to keep an eye on things. And uh, I, if you see these things, then they're definitely signs that, hey, you need to pay a little closer attention to what's going on. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's if, if let's use the car example. If I if my check oil light comes on, I'm already in trouble. That means I don't have oil in my car. Um, or I could have been checking the dipstick and going in for regular oil changes before that ever came on. And that's a, that's maybe a different early uh, review and revitalization versus late-term revitalization. Yeah, and the truth is there are other things that uh, they don't have warning lights for them. And so you 
it's the same way in the church that there are some things that might not be on our list, but they're a surefire sign that your church needs attention now. Uh, but uh, probably the first and most obvious, well, arguably the most obvious uh, sign that your church is in need of revitalization is uh, a decline in some key statistics. Yeah, well, which statistics, though? Oh, that's the question. And, and I, I think it's also important to recognize that uh, statistics are indicators, but they never tell the full story, you know? Uh, so it's important to recognize that, yes, this is a good thing to pay attention to, but it's never the end-all be-all. And if, yeah. if that's what you're looking for, um, well, you're in the wrong spot. Yeah. And, and we also need to keep in track, especially if you are coming in as a new pastor, how you choose to keep statistics might not be the exact same way that the last pastor kept statistics. Um, what? so yeah, what? So, so just, just, just to be aware, you know, um, you know, how, how are we doing our counting? So there's, we're going to, over the next few episodes, talk about a few different statistics that are important to keep track of, but we're going to start with an obvious one, attendance. Attendance. Now the obvious argument here, Paul, is attendance is not the sign of church health and it shouldn't matter if your church is big or small or things like that. What, what do you say to that? I think a, a church should be growing. Now that we can, we can debate about rate of growth and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, what type of growth. Um, now I will say I don't, here's some way where I don't agree with an expert. Uh, Dr. Bob Weitzel will disagree with me on this. So take what I say with a big grain spoonful of salt. Um, Dr. Weitzel defines growth as a church, one sign of growth as a church continually getting larger in numerically. Um, I happen to believe that a church can get to a size where they are at a homeostasis a, a perfect size for their community. Um, I, I believe probably a lot of our churches might stop short of that, but if a church can get to a good size where ministries can function and then that church is also planting other churches or plant, you know, doing other, sending out leaders, um, it may never get above a certain level because it's, it's multiplying itself as opposed to just growing itself, so. Carl Vodders would uh, obviously agree with you on that. Uh, he suggests that there are a number of variables that play uh, against the idea of church growth. Uh, he includes things like, what is your facility size? Uh, what is your leadership style? Uh, maybe you as the leader are not geared up for a bigger church. And so you're gonna hit a ceiling and that's not necessarily a bad thing, it just means that you need to be consciously working to uh, uh, adapt to that and continue to be effective so that you keep making more and better disciples of Jesus, regardless of the size of your church. We all have to fill out our statistical reports, whether it be for our denomination or our board. Or whatever. And one of the things we count is, is, our, is our general worship, whether it's Sunday morning attendance, probably 90 plus percent of us are whenever our main worship time is. Um, and 
you know, we also have attendance on, you might have Sunday school or discipleship groups or small groups. You know, we, we have a lot of different meeting places that we might track attendance. Um, and obviously if we have a sudden, sudden drop off, that's not good. Um, that's, but that's not necessarily a sign of revitalization. When you have a sudden drop off like that, you have some kind of tragedy, you know, a split. Yeah. Some sort or, of traumas happen. Yeah. Tra- yeah. That's a trauma. Um, and we'll, you know, that's, that's COVID was a trauma for us. We all had a decline, but uh, when we talk about looking at warning signs, we actually want to be looking for that gradual thing, that, that plateau where we're staying the same, but we're not multiplying out or, or, Oh, we dropped by one family this year. And then next year we dropped by one or two families that that slow, gradual decline. Yeah. And it might not even be in every year we drop by, but it could be, we drop by two this year and next year we raise by one. And then the year after that, we lose two or three, you know, that's, it's kind of a spiraling decline that you're really looking for. Now, obviously if you're in a actual hardcore every year, you're going down, that's definitely something to watch for too. But I, th- I think that we need to watch for that gradual spiraling decline. Uh, thing is, it's not always easy to see that when you're sitting in the pews. Uh, for example, if a church of 100 adds three people uh, this year, uh, everyone in the pews is thinking that the congregation is growing because they have these three new people. And man, that's exciting. But according to Charles Arne and Gary McIntosh, that same church can probably expect to lose 7% of its attenders to death transfer or just dropping out. So the thing is, we don't worry about the people that we can account for. We know that Susie over here died. And we know that those people moved out of town. And, and, and so we, we don't pay attention to them. And, and dropouts, they often happen very slowly over time. It, it doesn't happen where all of a sudden they're just gone. It's that one month they're there four Sundays a month. The next month they're only there two Sundays a month. The Sunday after that, they're only there one Sunday a month. And, and it just goes slowly downhill like that. Yeah, that's, and that's smart. Look at those percentages. A, a church in decline still may be having new people come in. But it's not enough new people to make up for natural loss. Because Absolutely. people do move, people do die, people do go other places. Um, we, you know, so according to what you saw from, you know, uh, Arne and McIntosh, you know, an average congregation would have to grow by 7% just to stay even. Right. And, and actually that 7% depends on the size of the church. So small churches lose uh, fewer people to the back door, they call it. So a church of a hundred or less is going to lose about 7%, but uh, depending on the size of your church, that could actually run all the way up to 10 or 15%. So I, you might have to, you might have to adjust your numbers there. And I, if you're only growing at 3% or if you're only adding 3% of your total number, you're probably going to end up with a net loss. You got to figure that out for your church. Yeah. And what do you think about this to compare it to the growth rate of your city or community? You know, I think my, that's absolutely important. Too, if, yes. if, my, if my church is growing at 3%, but my city is growing at 10%, um, I'm behind, right? Yes, absolutely. Now, 
the the flip side of that is some cities, some communities are actually losing people. So then what do you do? And I, I think that the the key is you want to have a growth rate that is at least the same as the community. So if your community is losing 5%, but your church only lost 3%, I would say you're actually doing a pretty good job. If your community is gaining 10% and you're only gaining 3% at the church, then you're doing an absolutely terrible job. I think another thing to recognize here is how in the world do we track that? Because, I mean, let's face it, uh, we do ignore things. We miss things that are happening right under our noses. So what are some tools that we can use to keep track of the attendance and uh, uh, notice these changes that we might miss with our own eyes? Well, yeah, we're, we're talking about these stats and not everybody's are stats people, but a lot of this stuff we can easily find just online now. We can look up our stats for our cities and see you know, what the growth rate is, what our demographics are and, and, and stuff like that and see how we compare. We do that in multi-ethnic ministry all the time just to see how do we compare with our community. So that's certainly a place we go. And then also looking at our statistics over, over time, not just how did we do this year compared to last year, but gosh, going at least four or five years back. I, I think that's a fantastic thing. Uh, the, the trick is you've got to be keeping track of your statistics to do that, right? You have to be writing it down, putting it in an Excel spreadsheet or something similar to that so that you can uh, compare year over year and uh, get a five-year or 10-year trend. And I would even suggest not waiting for the annual statistics because um, quite often, at least in our district, we get a report that says, this is how your church has performed over the last 10 years, and it's once a year. I would like to know how is our attendance comparing December to December and, you know, April to April, and what are the trends for the first three months or the first six months of the year uh, compared to what they were the same period uh, last year or the year before. I, I think that we've got to be able to develop the tools to do that. Now, there are some church management uh, applications out there that'll that'll help you with that uh, but at the very least you've got to have a spreadsheet that you can use to to track that information with and it's not something that has to be totally on just the pastor this is something if all i was doing all the time was tracking stats i wouldn't have time for ministry so this is where you got to get some help you know uh, the pastor shouldn't be taking attendance every sunday Somebody else can do that. The pastor doesn't have to make the report to the district every month. Somebody else can do that. But the pastor has to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. I think it's also important to recognize here that we're not just looking at the attendance of the entire congregation. Um, sometimes you can tell a lot just by watching individual people. So your congregation might be growing because they got all these new people coming in, but you're also losing the people that were there, just not quite as quickly as you are seeing new faces added. So you got to watch that as well. And being prepared and, and, and ready for growth is, is a good thing. You know, if, 
if we're not expecting to grow, then, then we're not going to. If, if the only time I plan for having more people is on Easter Sunday and maybe Mother's Day, then that's the only time I'm going to have extra people. Yeah. If, if nothing else, watching our statistics should help you build an anticipation, an expectation for growth. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, if, if you want evidence that things can be missed, that uh, the attendance pattern is a is kind of a big deal, but it's really difficult to track. Um, in my church, uh, and I said in our last episode that our church was in decline for 45 years. It was never a, well, there were a couple of times where it was a huge drop off where there had a significant chunk leave the church and whatnot. But most of that time, it was this gradual spiraling decline that we've been talking about. And um, what what really convinced me of the importance of keeping track of statistics and monitoring for this slow spiraling decline is that uh, I have a, a booklet that was compiled with input from all of the former pastors. And uh, one of the former pastors wrote this letter about how during his tenure, the church was growing so much that they had to do this and they had to do that. And man, it was just an exciting time because they were growing. And, and when I looked at the statistical uh, reports from that same period, the church grew his first year but for every year after that, it actually was declining. It was losing people every other year of his tenure. And he was here for five, six, seven years. So only one of the bunch was, was growing. And, and he thought he was growing the church in, in, in spades. And I, I think that right there has demonstrated to me that I have got to be diligent at keeping on track with the attendance. And I think it also, let's not think of this like accountants. Let's also, you know, be as leaders and, and shepherds. A attendance is not a number. Attendance is people. And yes. so we want to look for these trends with individuals and families as well. Um, I think you, you mentioned this early on. Family A that has been coming every week, you know, unless somebody is really sick. And then, you know, then they miss once, once a month then they miss twice a month and then maybe you see them once a month and there's always a good reason that they give you but the fact of the matter is is they are checking out um, people don't always just get up and leave people because people have relationships and and all that kind of stuff it may take a year for a family to leave a church and so need to be aware of that now it may be that they do need to leave and do something else or it could be that we need to not just treat them as a number and they need some pastoral care that, we're, that we need to give. Yeah, I, I think that's the key right there, that we're watching these numbers not as a, as a metric of success, but we're actually watching it to see signs that, hey, this person might need some attention. We might need to go and spend some time with them and see what's going on. Uh, because they might be struggling in one way or another and they need their pastor to show up. Okay, so last time we said that if your church uh, is uh, waiting until it's starting to decline, uh, it's actually too late, or it's it's past the ideal time. Let's yeah, say. never too late. 
Yeah, it's past the ideal time for to start the revitalization process. So obviously, if we're in a slow, gradual decline in our attendance statistics, we're in that we're at least at the top of that that life cycle and beginning this the slide downward but what what if our church is not on that side of the the slope what if we're on the uphill side of the cycle what should we be watching for then i think we might be looking at engagement which is something we'll get more into discipleship are people just showing up or are do you have people getting involved because we can increase our numerical attendance by putting on a lot of shows. You know, that's what was done as part of church growth for a long time. You know, the the seeker sensitive thing. And that brought bodies to seats. But did those bodies stick? Not necessarily. Or were those, did those bodies go deep with their spiritual life? Yeah, which would speak to one of the other metrics that we're going to be looking at, uh, discipleship and engagement in discipleship ministries and stuff like that for sure um i but sticking with the attendance pattern if we are trying to find the ideal place the ideal point in our church's history to to start the revitalization process I think that we've got to be looking at the attendance patterns and asking ourselves, okay, are they continuing to grow at the same rates? If the growth rate has, has plateaued, as in we're, we've been growing at 5% for the last two, three, four, five years, it's probably time to start thinking about revitalization. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to implement it today, but at least you got to start thinking about it. If you've seen a decline in the growth rate. So it begins to slow down how fast your church is growing. Let's say you were growing at 10%, but now you're only growing at 8% year over year. It's time to start thinking about, hey, we need to start thinking about this next step, the next phase, and begin the process of, of dreaming what happens next. Um, we, we, need to, we need to watch for those changing growth patterns, I think. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, if you get a sudden jump an increase of attendance, it may be time for, it, I wouldn't necessarily call it revitalization for revisioning. Um, I've been in a couple churches where we got a sudden increase in people because perhaps another church closed or we were joined by a group that was in a particular ministry. Um, and it was like, woohoo, you know, big growth this year. But bringing in substantial percentage of people that changed the part of the DNA of the church. And so we had to take some time to say, oh, we're not changing necessarily to accommodate. Our vision is our vision, our mission is our mission. But we've got a whole nother people, you group of people that we need to not just assimilate them like Borg. <laughs> you know, we need to we need to work with them. I think that's I love that Borg reference because I'm a huge Star Trek fan. But uh, I, I think that's absolutely key that we can't expect a large group to just shoehorn into the same structures and the same uh, ministries uh, every single time. We, when we have an increase, uh, a sudden increase, say like a church closed or a, uh, a large family showed up or something like that, when you have a large increase like that, you have to ask yourself, is what we're doing still going to work for what needs to happen next? Um, 
and and I think sometimes you will need to add some ministries and sometimes you will need to readjust your your focus a little bit because now all of a sudden you have a different gift mix in the in the bag and it, it just it's important whenever the attendance pattern changes to come back and review what is going on and it's important to come back at a regular basis just to make sure that everything's still clicking the way that it's supposed to. So just keep an eye on the attendance patterns and, and see as they change what needs to happen different, if anything. Yep. And the last thing we want to wrap up with is, is COVID because attendance patterns change for everybody, both how many, how many bodies you have in the seat for worship, because for a while, nobody met in person. And then you only had a certain number of percentage of people who came back, perhaps because of our facilities, you can only allow a certain number of people back. And also most churches that I'm at least that I have contact with have increased their online presence. Um, we, we used to live stream before COVID, but it was just kind of an add on somebody's sick or somebody can't come so they can watch on TV. We, I don't even think we counted them in our attendance where now our online attendance is something we count every week because Heartwood Church Online is part of what we do. Yeah, it's a significant part now, for sure. I, I think the challenge with that, of course, is there are a lot of questions that are still unanswered as far as the effect of COVID. For instance, um, how do you gauge the number of online worshipers? In our church, we know that we have... 20-ish views every week, but we also know that a large number of those views are not just one person, they're actual families that are watching it. And so just counting the 20-ish people that are viewing online uh, doesn't give us an accurate number because there might be three or four or five people that are watching behind that one number. And Another one, you know, in-person attendance has been dramatically altered uh, by COVID. Uh, at our church, we're running 55-ish percent. That's actually very high compared to a lot of other churches that I've been seeing uh, on the internet and uh, talking to in person. There are some that are saying they have as little as 20% still in in-person services. So what needs to happen if we're going to compare uh, attendance statistics uh, year over year right now and what needs to happen going forward, do you think, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know, this is such a unique time to compare year over year will be challenging. I think for us, one of our things had to be uh, consistency in how we measure. Um, at first we were measuring uh, actual number of people behind the screen um, because we knew most of the people who were, you know, we knew if, you know, the Andersons were on, there was two people there, um, and, and we know who they were, but as we've continued our online, we, we found that there is more anonymity, however you say that word, online, and so we may have 10 viewers, but I only, but only two or three people made comments, and so I only know the names of those two or three people, um, as opposed to all the viewers. And so between that, not knowing who's online and also our denomination wants us to count peak live viewers. 
So that became our metric. Whether or not it's the best or not, that's what we do just so we're consistent. Because if we're consistent in how we count, at least we can discover trends. And at, and at worst, we're not overcounting. I think, I think you hit on a key thing there. We're looking for trends. And um, COVID has totally disrupted any trend that we had before. Uh, so we've got to establish new trends and uh, new baselines really is what's going on here. Um, how long do you think it's going to take to establish a new baseline so we can begin to compare again and figure out how we're doing and, and the attendance becomes a useful metric once again? Oh, I, I would say a year. Yeah, I'm thinking at least another year. I don't know that we've hit the bottom yet as far as how many people are going to be gone. Uh, it all depends on what happens this this fall and winter. Uh, if there's another spike in COVID, you know, does, does that mean that a, a lot of people are going to shut down again or uh, what's going to happen? Uh, I, I think that we've got to wait a year at least, maybe 18 months, and we might not be able to start counting that time frame until the uh, COVID crisis is done, yeah. quite and honestly. It yeah, and it depends on the size of your congregation to start with. We have three congregations, including mine, meeting in our facility. Um, we're the middle size <laughs> one. So for for our congregation, once we could get back in person meeting, after a couple months, we kind of stabilized and, and we're starting to see, you know, guests again and stuff like that. So we can start counting already short of another tragic event. Um, the church that's smaller than us, um, they, they, they're practically just a small group. So they're, they haven't seen a huge change at all. Um, right. The church that's larger than us, that's meeting. Um, they are still not back to normal because they can't put their whole congregation in the facility all at once, even if everybody wanted to come back because, because we can only have 50% capacity in here. I don't, I don't, I don't know that they, they have a new normal yet. Yeah. And I, I think that's the key here. It is going to be a new normal. There are going to be people that do not come back from COVID. There's, there's going to be a certain percentage that they don't return to church ever. And that's just the way it is. So we've got to take the time to establish new baselines and begin our comparisons again. So right now, comparing your statistics from your attendance from today to your attendance the same Sunday last year is probably utterly meaningless. But a year or two from now, being able to come back and say, this is how it was two years ago will be important. So, and in a way it's as though we're all starting from scratch. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, next time we're going to start looking at discipleship metrics. So not just the bodies in the seats, but what are they doing? How are people growing? Yes. Thank you for listening. And we want to encourage you to uh, uh, subscribe, to share, and to leave us some feedback. See you next time.